0: Everyone doing good today? Again, uh, uh, guys, welcome Impact City. Again, I cannot say that enough. I am so um, excited about our church and excited about what God is doing here. It's an amazing thing what he is doing here. Um, it is the start of a new month and the end of a series. Um, if you would, please open your Bibles up to Mark chapter 5, 35. We're going to be starting the last installment of the Greater Than series. Now, this message I tried doing last week, um, maybe you can lower me down a little bit, please. Uh, I tried doing this message last week, and for some crazy reason, just everything was against it. Uh, it just didn't really seem to go right. Uh, it got to church late, uh, struggling to get everything going and packing up everything. We a poor, but church, so everything was always crazy and chaotic in the mornings and then we get to church, and it's like pouring down, like cats and dogs, like rain coming sideways, it's just crazy, and then I get it ready, and we set up everything, and I'm just soaking wet from the rain, and David's soaking wet, and it's me, David, and Sarah, and we're looking around like, man, it's Labor Day weekend, everyone's out like barbecuing and doing fun stuff, someplace where it's not raining, and like we were just like so like, man, what are we going to do, like no one's even here today, you know, and then I was like, well, let me just preach the sermon anyway, and I went to go get, to my, get my sermon off my iPad, I left my iPad back at the house, Okay, I just give up. I give up. Like, this is not going to happen today, you know. And so, what I realized was that God was saying, like, I don't want you to preach that sermon that day. I want you to preach it today. And what happened was, um, we had uh, some people come in, uh, and we had like a little small group setting in the rain, in the beautiful, with the sound of thunder in the background and the sound of rain hitting the roof. And uh, we had like a small little group. We talked about the Bible, went through John 15, just verse by verse through that chapter. And what does that mean to be part of the vine and connected to Jesus Christ? And what does that mean in our life? And it was just, it was more powerful than any awesome sermon I've ever, you know, heard or preached or anything. It was just one-on-one discussion with community was so much more better. And we always hear that stories speak louder than sermons. Yeah, a story will actually preach louder than a sermon. And we were just so excited to be able to share stories with people and talk about how God has, you know, you know worked in, the, in our life and how God has worked in their life. Anyway, long story short, we didn't even do this sermon last week. And so we're going to do it this week. And I know why, because this week we're going to actually be talking about what does it mean to conquer death. And it's such an awesome Awesome Sunday to do this because this Sunday we're baptizing someone here today. Amen. Can we give it up for Brian? Going to get baptized today. Like this Sunday is just it's just it's perfect, and we're just so happy to be a part of this, to be a part of uh, Brian's life, and be able to to witness uh, him conquering death through Jesus Christ. Amen. So again, if you will open your Bibles to Mark five thirty-five. Mark 535. If you don't have a Bible, we have them in the back. Um, if you get bored, uh, we also have kids' calling pages back there. Adults, you can, you're more than welcome to those too. I will not be offended. You might get bored of me, and that's okay. But, you know, just don't—just act like you're taking notes, and I'll be, I'll, I won't even, like, lose focus on what's going on here. So Mark 535 is where we're going to be today. If you need a Bible, feel free to go up there and get one. Uh, it's not going to bother me. Coffee donuts, you can get up and walk around, and just—it's all right. Just don't, like— Get up, walk around, and like you know, like walk out and never come back. I mean, that's the, this is gonna be weird for me. It's happened before, though. So so we've been learning, we've been going verse by verse to the book of Mark. We said that this sermon series, that the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, was going to take us about two years to finish. And that's just stupid if you think about the fact that, like, who, who stays connected to the Bible that long, you know, for one series. But, hey, we do. We love it. You know, verse by verse through the book of Mark. And we said that if you were to start the sermon series with us and take a journal, and every Sunday come and write notes, you would literally have a journal about that thick, full of uh, expository notes on the book of Mark. It would be an amazing study guide. For you in the future, and we, we encourage you to do that. But we've been going verse by verse through this book, and right now, and you know, in the the month of September, we're barely finishing up Mark chapter five. It's been an amazing journey. We've been seeing God doing so many things, with the common theme throughout this chapter was that Jesus was greater than so many things. He is better than so many different obstacles that come in his way and the obstacles come in our life. And really, if you look at the whole book of Mark, it's showing the fact that he is king overall, that Jesus is God, that he is king, and Mark wants to just let that known throughout his gospel and that he is greater than so many things, and he lets that known uh, from Mark 1 all the way down to the end of Mark. And so we've been learning so many things about how he is greater than, Jesus is greater than. The song says he is Jesus is better than so many things in our lives. The problem is though, we don't really believe this. Is that some of us really don't believe that Jesus is greater, Jesus is better than things in our life. The struggle is we don't believe it. We may know it, we may comprehend it, we may be able to quote it in scripture. But we don't believe it. And I believe that it's because we fail to actually understand and believe that he is better and exercise our, our abilities in the fact that he is better in so many things that we actually don't see him in our lives as powerful as he could be. Let me say that again. Because we don't believe we don't see him. Because we don't truly believe that he is better. We, we don't act out in faith. We don't see the works of God in our life. And we hold them to our standards in life. We say like like God is He's confined to a box that we have created for God. And so when we face troubles and trials in our life, we don't see no any hope. Uh, we don't see no end in sight. There is no victory that ever seems possible because we think God can't really pull us out of this. We don't believe it. Mark chapter six will actually talk about Jesus going back to his hometown and trying to preach, and no one there really believed in him, and so he wasn't able to even do any miracles in his town because no one believed in him. We have to believe that he is greater than everything, and why shouldn't he be? Why shouldn't God be greater than everything? Scripture tells us in Corinthians 2.9 that, For in him the whole fullness and deity dwells within his body. That means that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all dwell within Jesus. Why wouldn't you think that Jesus is better than anything? And if he is all of that, then nothing is impossible without him or with him. And we see it all throughout this chapter. From verse 1 all the way up to the last verse here. We learned in the first part of this series that Jesus healed a demon-possessed man. When he came to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, he landed, and there was a, a demon-possessed man. And he was possessed by a few thousand demons. If you look at that chapter, it says this. It says that when he, when he saw Jesus, this is the demon-possessed man. so when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him, and crying out with a loud voice, He said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the God most high? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. Verse uh, 8, chapter 5 says, For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. The scripture says that the the, the demon-possessed man ran and fell down before him, begging Jesus to go away. We said that when you read that chapter, many of us think that Jesus was kind of like walking up and the demon-possessed man was just kind of like, going all crazy or whatever and Jesus was talking to him. No. The scripture says that as soon as Jesus was coming up, the man was pleading to Jesus and Jesus was saying get out of him you unclean spirit. So Jesus was literally going vato loco on the guy saying you get out of there you unclean spirit. Get away from this man. He was coming with power, coming with this great strength and the the scripture says that the man ran and fell at his feet. So immediately remember that word? Immediately he came and fell at the feet of Jesus and was succumbed by his power. Jesus is greater than evil. We learned that. Then we saw that Jesus uh, left that area, sailed across to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, where he met a leader there, the local god named Jairus. And then Jairus ran up to Jesus and with pleading to Jesus to follow him back to his house and help heal his dying daughter. And so Jesus is like, okay, man, that's no problem. We're going to do this. We're going to be awesome. You're going to check it out. It's going to be cool. And so Jesus starts walking with Jairus. And as they're walking, here comes this woman that, that, that just stops everything in its tracks. And the woman was bleeding for 12 years. And we said that that blood that she was bleeding out made her unclean and spiritually unrighteous to be within the confines of the church and the synagogues at the time. So he said that she was unclean, that for 12 years she was unable to be around people, she was unable to be around uh, priests or rabbis or anyone. They said that she was tormented for 12 years, that she had suffered greatly at the hands of physicians, that her finances were drained because of this. She had a disease that she couldn't cure, and because she was going to all these physicians, they were just giving her um, ailment upon ailment upon trying to cure her and cure her, and she could not be healed, and because of that she was even worse off than when she started, she was in so much pain, so much sickness in her life. And we said that that sickness that made her unrighteous to be within the church is just like the sin in our lives. That we feel like because we have sin, we feel like we have sin just coming out of us. that we feel like we can't be around the church. But what did Jesus do about this? We feel like we can't be around Jesus, but what did Jesus do? Verse 27 says that she had heard the reports about Jesus came up behind him, and in the crowd touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately, there's that word again, and immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt it in her body that she was healed of her disease. So immediately, immediately there was power that went from Jesus and healed her. Verse 30, the word power, that's the first son that Mark uses this word in this whole gospel. Power. And there's something that, that just happened here. It, it showed that, that Jesus was more than just compassionate, that he had the power to heal her. And so that word power is the Greek word dunamis. Dunamas. Y'all say that word with me, dunamis. Dunamis, dunamis, dunamis. That word dunamas actually means, is where we get the English word for dynamite. So you see that Mark is saying that the power that he had was like dynamite. That the power that Jesus had to heal the sick was like dynamite. That he had that power to do that. And it wasn't just an act of compassion, it was an act of worship to show people how great he was to heal her. Dunamas, dynamite. Jesus is greater than sin, he is greater than sickness, he is greater than evil. So that brings us up here today. And we'll pick up where the story left off last or two weeks ago. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. He's saying this to the sick woman. And at this time, he's talking to her. Can you imagine what Jerry's just thinking? Like, dude, hurry up, man. My daughter is dying. Like, she's dying. This woman's already messed up and just forget about her. Let's go save my daughter, my sweetheart. And so uh, it says this in verse 35. He says, while he was still speaking to her, Messengers arrived from home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and told them, Your daughter is dead. There is no use in troubling the teacher now. Question, how many of you have experienced death in your life? Like, it's a scary thing, right? Whether it's a friend, whether a friend uh, just died, you know, whatever happened, that they passed away, a loved one, father, mother, sister... Whatever it is, brother, spouse, child, or even just the death of a total stranger, maybe you witnessed a death. You know, maybe you saw uh, someone that was right next to you. You know, in in war, and they got they got taken down, or maybe you were on the street and you saw a terrible wreck, and you held someone for the last time as you comforted them. That you saw the life drain from their eyes. Death comes to all of us, and we would be lying to ourselves we said that death never scared us at least once in our life so you can imagine the thoughts that are going through Jerry's mind right now as he's thinking about his daughter who just died can you imagine I can't even you know stand thinking about my daughter just getting lost at Walmart or something just that freak out I don't know if I'm ever going to see her again and this is, this is complete hopelessness death comes out of nowhere comes out of nowhere Last week at Missional Cities, when we were meeting at the barbecue, um, I was sitting down talking to a couple of the guys. And we were hanging out by the pit and just doing our own guy thing. And I'm just talking. I'm just, I'm just there talking, having a good time. All of a sudden, I hear crack. And the board that I was standing on, yeah, y'all laughing still. And the board that I was standing on, it broke. And my chair literally flipped back. My legs went up in the air. My glasses flew off. And I rolled, you know, like everything, just totally embarrassing your pastor took a fall. It was terrible, man. It came from out of nowhere. I wasn't even expecting it. I was just there talking like, yeah, bro. You know, like, Brian's laughing at me. Ben's laughing at me. Andrew's laughing at me. And, then, like, it was just it was embarrassing but kind of funny at the same time. I told him, I'm going to use it for a, for a sermon one day. And so I put it in there. You know, so it, it comes from out of nowhere. It comes from out of nowhere. And so you can imagine what Jairus was thinking, like, oh, my gosh, death came quickly. Look at what Jesus said. He said in verse 36, it said, But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Remember that. Don't be afraid, just have faith. Believe me, if you don't hear anything in this sermon today, if you think that I'm just a, a crazy dude up here yelling at you guys, listen to that scripture and believe it today. Don't be afraid. Just have faith. Let's keep on. Verse thirty-seven. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except for Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Side note here: that's community. Why are we preach community here at Impact City? Why are we all about community and not about you know just massive, massive things? We want about micro things. We want small, intentional, intimate community because Jesus did small, intentional, intimate community. And so here we go. He's, the guy. He's like, I'm going to go heal this daughter. It's going to be awesome. You're going to freak out and just follow me. Just come, follow me. Isn't that what he told to Peter and Andrew and the boys? He says, come, follow me. Drop your nets. Just follow me. He didn't say, come, let's go do a Beth Moore Bible study. Come, let's go. Let's go read the, the newest book by Francis Chan. He said, no, come, follow me. Look at how I do things. Watch how I do things. Then you will imitate those things. He is preaching about community. And that's what we do on Wednesday nights, missional cities group. Y'all, I gotta tell you, we have to do this. We have to get involved. It's part of our DNA. We started off as a missional city group. And this really is still a missional city group. We were a church of less than forty. That is a small group. That is a missional city group at its core. And as we grow, we will we will break off and we will grow more. We will plant more churches, and each missional city group will be able to plant its own church and be its own uh, ministry one day. And that is a, that's that's our goal, right? But we want to be a church that is making more churches, that is being in community. And in these missional city groups, you will mature in Christ. I I promise you that if you're willing to submit and just follow through with that, your faith will be increased. Uh, Your understanding of His presence in your life will be heightened as well. And you will feel more connected to the people here at Impact City Church, being here in the missional city group. Because you know what, guys, This, this Sunday thing, this is just one hour a week. It's 167 hours in a week and this is just one hour a week. If we only do church for one hour a week, we're just plain idiots. We do church 167 hours a week and this is just the time we come together and worship together. Church for us is 166 other hours in the week. You meet three times a day, it's twenty one times a week that you have a chance to meet with someone and share the gospel. Don't bring people here to hear the gospel. You tell them the gospel. That's what missional city groups are. They're ways for us to go out and be intentionally missional in the people, for the people in our community. And before you leave, uh, seriously, please, write down a question on a communication card that let us know what uh, things you want to talk about at this missional city group, and, uh, and we'll talk about it. We'll bust out the Bible, and we'll start going through them. If you don't think of questions, i got to think of questions. You're not going to like my questions. They might actually bore you. So uh, write some questions down. Anyway, back to the story. Pastor has ADD severely, by the way. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, this is Jairus' home, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. Now this morning, this, this weeping and wailing, everyone who was there, that's just for show, guys. Like there was probably four, maybe five people there who really knew the girl, who were really crying. The majority of people were paid actors. Truth be told, people would pay people to come mourn at their... Uh, family member's funeral. That was a way to show the family that, that oh that we're lamenting, we're mourning, we're we're carrying on, you know, and, and talking about the death of, the, of of my child. That is the way that they, they exalted the death of someone. They mourned greatly, and whenever there was enough people to cry and mourn at a funeral, they actually paid people to come do that. So they're just professional mourners. Okay. And so they're crying, they're weeping, they're going off, right? And it says this in verse 39, Jesus went inside and asked, why all the commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, he, she is only asleep. Now, I've been known to say some pretty dumb things in my life. I've been known to say things that, that, that really just, I say things, I'm like, man, I really wish I had that back but why would you go into a funeral and look at the father and the mother and be like, why are you crying? Why are you crying? Like, who does that? Who, who looks at death and laughs at it? Who says, why are you crying? When in the midst of death that has just come, the hopelessness of, 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 of death has come to the family. Why would you say that? Why would you say, why are you crying? What kind of a man says that? And I'll tell you who. The kind of man that's about to make death look so powerless is a joke. Check this out. Verse 40. The crowd laughed at him. So now they're, they're mourning. And now they start laughing at Jesus. But he made them all leave. I really wish I would. I really wish the Bible said what he did to make them all leave. Can you imagine this big crowd laughing at Jesus? And he just kind of like stare, Did he just stare at them? Did he raise his eyebrow? Did he... Like, that, what did he do to make me And they all left, right? Jesus made them all leave. And took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples. That's community again. He's bringing the three into his inner circle. Took the three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talia, come me. Which means, little girl, get up. And the little girl, who was 12 years old, immediately, there's a word again, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened, and then he told them to give her some food. Just to prove to you she's alive, she's going to eat some chicken nuggets here, man. Jesus looks at the little girl and says, Talia, Talia, the English word that translates into uh, directly as little Girl. And in the original language, this wasn't just like, hey, little girl. It was a much deeper, intimate word that fathers often called their daughters. It was a pet name. Tell you, little girl, little one, sweetheart, mija, little girl. Then he says, come me, which is a very soft, gentle word for get up. So he didn't say like, little girl, get up. He said, little girl, get up. It wasn't like when he raised Lazarus from the dead. He's all, Lazarus, come out for thee, you know. He didn't, he didn't scream at her. He didn't yell at her like he did Lazarus. He was real soft. He was a sweet little pet name. It was almost like him saying, Mijita, levantate. Mijita, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began walking around. Everyone was in amazement. Jesus is greater than death. He called. Death. He made death look so powerless it was a joke. Jesus is greater than death. Now this story should make us worship. This story should be disturbing in your heart. The fact that Jesus Christ came and he lifted up a girl from the arms of death. That is awesome. That is the type of God that we serve. He just faced death, the greatest enemy we have in life. And he literally just... He had so much power over it, he literally just lifted the little girl off with a gentle lift of her arm and just took her out of death. That's how powerful Jesus is. This means that the power that is in his blood is all sufficient for our needs. The fact that he's able to conquer the most uh, biggest enemy in our life, that means that he can conquer any problem in our life. See, when Jesus has you by the hand, death is nothing more than just a nap you're going to wake up from one day. So when Jesus has you by the hand, death is nothing more than just a nap that you're going to wake up from one day. I think Paul said to Beth when he said, death, oh death, where is your sting? Where is your victory? There is no sting from death no more if you're in Christ Jesus. It doesn't even bother you anymore. It's not even uh, an issue in your life. And if it is an issue in your life, if you're worried about death still in your life, it's probably because, like I said before, you really don't believe in Jesus Christ as much as you think you do. Because when we believe in Jesus Christ, we should be fearless. When we believe in Jesus Christ, death is nothing more than just uh, another stepping stone to a closer relationship with him. I'm not saying we should go off and go do something crazy. but I'm saying that we shouldn't be afraid of death. Beloved, I pray that we can be honest here for a second. And I want us to, to just kind of pray today. And I want us to just kind of welcome that, that knowledge into our heart. Welcome that, 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 that presence of God into our heart today. The fact that we know beyond a shadow of that, that Jesus is greater than death. That nothing in this world can hold us back from Him. Nothing in this world can hold us back from anything. That whatever you set your mind to, whatever you you, you desire, whatever God has willed for your life, that you can do that. Because he is greater than anything that can come in your way. So whatever it is that you're dealing with, and I know what it is, whether you're dealing with addiction, you're dealing with, with struggles, with anger, whatever you're dealing with, just know that Jesus is better than that. That we have to follow him foremost and first. So whatever pain you might have, Whatever sickness might be hurting you, whatever sin might be in control of your life, I want you to know that there is a Savior who is greater than all of it. Now we're gonna do something we don't do very often. I'm gonna invite you guys, if you want, to just pray where you're at. If you want, stand up and you can come pray with me. David's gonna play a little something for us, and we're just gonna be in this moment. We just be desperate for a little while. Can we do that? Let's all pray. God, I pray that, that we, our hearts just be open to you today, Lord. That we just be open to the, the fact that you are greater than death. That we acknowledge that. Now, maybe if we're struggling with believing that, if we're struggling with believing that, God, will you just open our hearts so that we can be, so we can welcome that knowledge in. God, and I thank you for the cross. And I thank you for what you have done for us and the fact that you have given us a way to have eternal life with you, that you have given us a way that we can have forgiveness for our sins and a hope in our life. God, we love you, Lord. We praise you. And beloved church, if you feel like you need to be prayed over, you need feel like you need some type of someone to pray with you. I'm here right now. Let's pray as David plays this out. Whatever it is that you're struggling with, you don't have to struggle with it. Whatever it is that you're holding in your heart, you don't have to hold it no more. This is a new day. You choose to step forward in the life that God has chosen for you. Amen. God, I thank you so much for this church, Lord. I thank you so much for um, the people that you have brought here. I pray that you will continue to grow deeper into us, Lord. You will continue to speak into our lives. God, I pray that you will give us opportunities to um, just reach out, to be the eyes and feet of Jesus, in the hands and feet of Jesus, Lord, and people will see us, see you in our eyes. Lord, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.